Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And today we're going to hear an interview that was conducted by our beloved producer, Alex Claiborne. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Well, it's a thrill to have you back. What have you got for us? Well, this week I have a conversation with Gina Schock, who is the drummer of one of my all-time favorite bands, The Go-Go's. And we're chatting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, her photo book comes out soon, which is really cool. And if you're a fan of the Go-Go's or any sort of vintage stuff, you'll love it. Also, the band is being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame shortly. And this year is the 40th anniversary of their 1981 album, Beauty and the Beat, which I consider to be a classic album. It's a classic for us too, Alex. We are really looking forward to this. Alex Claiborne and Gina Schock in a minute on Sound Opinions. Welcome back. We are going to dive into this bonus episode. Alex, we are slowly making our way through all of the Go-Go's because we had a fantastic chat with Kathy Valentine. So uh, there's a little colorful language here. Listener discretion advised. Yeah, Jim, we had a pretty candid conversation and, you know, listener discretion advised. This is containing some colorful language that will not be bleeped. And uh, we started the conversation talking about Gina's photo book called Made in Hollywood, All Access with the Go-Go's. And I asked her what it was like to write and put together this book. It was a labor of love and it took me about a year to actually write it, which I never thought I could do, Alex. I was like, I am not a writer. I'm a photographer, so now I'm a writer and a photographer. I didn't realize, look, I knew that these photos were important to me but I didn't know if anybody else would really care. And then the more I thought about it over the last 10 years, I started thinking, you know what? I know our fans would love to see all this behind the scenes stuff, you know, and it's all, all photographs and ephemera that's been stuck in closets and in drawers <laughs> and under the bed and you name it, you know? I think that people might be interested in seeing that because when I would come across something, I would get all full of a million memories and get all, you know, my heart would get, get warm and just think like, oh God, I remember when that happened, how much fun we had and da 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 and, and, the, and it would go on and on. And then that's when I started thinking really seriously, I've got to find the right person. And it took a while to find the right person to help me organize it, get the book together. And then of course, got a publisher and signed the deal and started working on it. with your family like immediately reading the book just from the photos that you showed and what you're saying about them and you know some people when they go into music and their parents say no you can't do this this isn't a good idea and your parents supported you and said go out and do this what you want to do and it just the description of your childhood was really lovely and so I I thought it was really cool to include that as well I had like an idyllic childhood I really did I had the best parents in the world and they did allow me to do what my passion was. And it was definitely music, and I wasn't sure what instrument was going to be. As it turned out, you know, drums were the easiest thing for me to play. And that's what I continued playing. And they, you know, I know it broke their heart when I said, Mom, Dad, I don't want to go to college. I, I want to play in these stinky clubs and try to get better at my craft. <laughs> and then when I said that, oh, I'm going to move to California, I know they must have been scared to 
death to let the baby of the family, you know, drive across country knowing only a couple people in LA and a couple people in San Francisco. And But it was time and I knew I had to take my shot. I had the energy, I had the strength, I had, uh, I was tenacious. I had this dream, you know, and, and I was, nothing was going to stop me. And wow, you know, here we are all these years later and it's, this has been my life, something that I dreamed of as a, as a kid growing up, listening to all of my albums and having a subscription to Cream Magazine and Rolling Stone and anything I could get my hands on that was yeah. about <laughs> rock and roll music. I was just, I had everything. I went to see every concert that came to Baltimore at the Civic Center or Meriwether Post Pavilion or uh, Painter's Mill. I mean, and my mom would pick me up after the show because the bus would, you know, it would be daylight when I went over to whatever concert, like at the Civic Center. And then they'd pick me up at, you know, 10 o'clock and I, I'd, I'd wait out, out front at a certain spot. And they allowed me to follow what I loved and what I was passionate about. That's big for a parent to allow a kid to do that, you know? It was a, it was a beautiful childhood. It couldn't have been better. One of the best things about the book is that it's really clear that all of, you know, all, all of the five members of the kind of original trilogy of albums, you all love and care for each other. This is a story about, you know, women who are, you know, love each other, are connected, are making art together, but it's not without you know, some ups and downs and some challenges and maybe some communication misunderstandings and, and a lot of things thrown in there. And so, Alex, I don't think we knew how to communicate that well. You know, um, when you're like 20, 21, 22, 23, you're certainly not an adult and you're just trying to figure things out. And then add on top of that, all of a sudden you're in, you know, you got a number one record, millions of people know who you are. You're, and and uh, there's a lot of pressure that's put on you. And sometimes it manifests itself in different ways, you know, that causes, you know, infighting in, in the band. But it's sort of the, the truth of it is, is that I always wanted to be in a band. I never wanted to be a solo anything because I like having a team and I, I like having mates. I like that we could all back each other up. You know, whenever there was a problem, you know, we had each other's back. It was sort of us against the world, that old saying, but it was true. Um, that's the way we felt. You know, when we couldn't get a record deal, we were sort of like, you know, fuck these guys. We're going to get a deal. We're gonna, <laughs> this is going to happen for us. We're just going to, we're going to force, we are going to keep playing until somebody gives us a deal. Um, <laughs> and, and as far as the practicing stuff goes, I, I was a pain in the ass with that. I'm still a pain in the ass with the practice because when, you know, when we have a tour coming up, I like want to be practicing, you know, a month ahead of time. And they're like, no, we're going to do a week and a half and that's it. And <laughs> Back then, we really did need to do it because I think every everybody needed to get better at their craft. They needed to be better musicians. They needed to work on their songwriting. And there was something there, you know, something something worth fighting for. And, uh, you know, I think it and obviously was recognized.
Yeah, well, it's fantastic because I think a lot of people related then and now to the Go-Go's in that not everybody was playing their instrument for their entire life and had gone right. to school for a set instrument. Like some people had just picked it up. You had been playing drums for another, a number of years, but sometimes, yeah. you know, when you get into a new group and it's a completely different dynamic and you kind of have to change, you know, that was one of the things that I think is so accessible about the Go-Go's and so cool is that it's people who are doing things because they want to do them. Nobody else is telling them that they should do them. They're going to do it the way that they want to and that they're going to become who they want to be and not try and fit into a box of, you know, what a guitar player is, what a, you know. I mean, first of all, we didn't know any better. It was just sort of, (laughs) and things, it's the chemistry that the five of us have and things evolved the way they were supposed to. It was like, it couldn't happen any other way because none of us were these incredible musicians, you know, like Charlotte had gone to school. uh, She had played piano before and had played bass a little. And then she, in the go-go, she played guitar. It was just sort of, you know, Jane just picked up guitar. And I think Margot had just picked up bass. Belinda just decided to sing because she was was a drummer for like a minute. But she said she was too lazy to do that. It was too much trouble. <laughs> so she decided she wanted to be a singer. And um, so um, anyway, I took the reins with the drumming. With that, it worked out fine. But we just knew that it was an uphill battle. Because we kept getting no from record labels. Everybody, it was, nobody was interested. Five girls, I don't know, have never sold a lot of records. Like, you know, they've never been really hugely successful in the United States or anywhere for that matter. There's been some, you know, regional success with a couple of our bands, but not really anything that sold millions and millions of records. So we were up against that. But, you know, we didn't, there was no mold that we came from. We just, we invented ourselves. We came out of, you know, who we were and how we interacted with each other, you know, how, how our sounds came together from playing together and, you know, changing guitar tones and knowing what, how Jane's guitar tone is going to work with Charlotte's tone and the bass, you know, and the way I tune my drums for the, for the, the vocal melodies of the song to make sure that, you know, the, the notes were in the right place, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, you just sort of figure out by rehearsing a lot, you know? Yeah, by getting in there and the organicness of the band is something else, too, of that you all found each other. You weren't assembled by a record company to, Completely you know. organic, completely organic. It just came together the way, the way that it should happen is the way that we came together, which was like uh, pretty monumental, pretty incredible that... You know, I don't know, man. I came from Baltimore. Uh, Kathy, you know, she came from Texas, from Austin. Belinda was from Thousand Oaks, you know, a suburb of, although she would come into L.A. for the punk scene. It's just funny how everyone met and how this band just came together and then how it evolved. And, you know, but being at the age we were, we had, you know, the energy was through the roof. So, you know, we we could go out and tour year after year after year with a week vacation, you know. Uh, I still reading that and then watching your, you know, the documentary and reading Kathy's book. And, you know, so we were talking about record labels. You guys get signed by IRS. You put out Beauty and the Beat, which 40th anniversary this year, which is crazy. Yeah. You go on tour and you are busy, busy, busy all the time. And it's almost like no wonder that 
you guys didn't have time or the tools to communicate throughout all yeah. this because there was no downtime. It was yeah. kind of like, hey, we got to go here. We got to go there. And a lot of the photos in the book actually capture incredible, exciting highs and all the cool things that you guys got to do and some of the celebrities that you met. And then also some of my favorite pictures are when you guys are like in an airport and just like dead tired, like exhausted, yeah. Yeah. just like over it. Because, you know, the record company, you know, Miles would like, we would get our schedule and we didn't know how to say no. Mm-hmm. We just thought, oh, this is the way it, it, it works. You just do one tour after the next, you know, we're out on tour. We, you know, we're out in the 12 seater van. Then we started opening for the police. We do the tour with the police. We come back and uh, uh, like, you know, within a couple weeks, we go back and start playing all the same arenas. Like it just never ended. It kept going and going and going. We didn't know any better. Plus, we were having fun. I, I mean, let's let's be honest. Even through a lot of stuff going on with you guys, the amount of pictures of you all having fun and like being goofy, and you could tell that that was what kind of kept you sane sometimes, and oh, kept you moving and kept it light. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I at the end of the day, I know, yeah, we've had our problems, but we're still here to talk about them, and also. I refer to this in the book, you know, to the Go-Go's as a family because we are a family. And like it or not, there have been so many, not so many, but there's been several times when different people in the band have wanted to call it a day over these 40 years. But it, it's like, and then we'll get a phone call and they'll be, hey, do you guys interested in doing this? And they're like, yeah, and then we get into rehearsal and everybody's hugging and kissing and, you know, it just goes right out the window because that's what family's like. It's like you don't yep. always like your family members, but you do love them, you know? I think that's the perfect description. It's like sometimes you're like, why are you doing this to me? And then other times you're like, this is my favorite person on the planet. How can well, I be without Well, because he knows them? how to get you better than anybody else. Yep. Right? <laughs> Somebody that's around you constantly, that that knows what every little movement means. I mean, yeah, man, we know each other inside out. We know each other better than any husbands or wives or anybody who's with anybody. We know each other better, the five of us. We're the longest relationship any of us have been in. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that's a long time to be like 40 plus years. Vacation, your second album, comes out in 1982. And I love the photos that you took of kind of that day where you're filming the music video and you've all got your, or was it the cover or the music video? I think it was the music video. And you all had your, you know, your tutus, tiaras on water skis. Um, And I loved also that you gave, you know, Ginger Canzanari her flowers too, because sometimes she kind of gets left out and she she was like the sixth go-go. And so, you know, a lot of these, like the album cover concepts. Ginger was so important to this band. She had faith in us when no one else did. 
She hacked all her belongings to get money for us to go to the UK and open for the specials and for Madness. You know, I mean, she was there. She believed in this band and loved this band. You know, and when she wasn't in the pictures, when things started to get wonky and, you know, start, seams started coming out, you know, uh, it didn't get any better. It's a shame because, you know, what we wanted for, we wanted Ginger to work with a bigger uh, management company, but be the heart of, you know, of the Go-Go's and, and, you know, but, but it did, it's, I don't know how it all fell apart, but, uh. I think you said it in the documentary. You said when money came into the picture, it ruined everything. I know. Like money gr- always does, man. It just <laughs> fucks everything up. It really does. It's not, you know, I don't fucking like money. I really don't. I do not like money, I, but I do love, you know, being able to have a good meal. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's a... Because sometimes I think, well, I bet I would know what to do if I got a lot of it. Like, I would be able to handle it. And the truth is, I think, especially when you're younger, I mean, I'm 29 and, like, I don't know how I would handle all of this. And, like, to be in your early 20s and to suddenly be in this position and have people saying, like, this is what's good for you. This is what's good for you. And you're like, I don't know. And you guys didn't have the Internet. So you couldn't Google about financial (laughs) advice or stuff. Yeah, and we all got ripped off. Everybody gets ripped off. You know, on your first album, the record company kind of... Of, you know, takes advantage of you. And if you become successful, then you can go back and renegotiate. But, you know, you got to get through that. You just got to, you got to, you got to make it through that. You got to be tough. And, uh, and that's another reason why I was, feel so lucky to be in a band because we had each other to fall back on. And we had each other to help make these big decisions about things when we were getting screwed or, you know what I mean? Yeah. You had people who understood and it's a strange combination of this is like my person. This is th- these are my ride or die people. But then also you would have one person telling you how much you're making, and maybe another person is making more or less, and like that kind of stuff. It's always with people who you know, if it's not split kind of equally or somewhat equally, it really is super hard for the band. And like I think when you guys got to you know '84 with Talk Show, I think that was when it kind of became at its worst. Yeah, it did because it was like, how come the songwriters are making huge amounts of money compared to Belinda and myself, making way more than, and we were out there slugging away every day with Mm -hmm. them and, you know, just trying to do the best we could. Bottom line with me about this, Alice, I I just feel like that it it works two ways. A, a, A song is no good without a platform to present that song on, okay? The Go-Go's were the platform for the songwriters to present their songs. Those songs could be on a goddamn cassette tape sitting in somebody's drawer from 1979 or whatever till now, and nothing would ever happen if they weren't put in the hands of the right people to allow them to become what they what they needed to become. You're literally the beat. You say this in the book, you're like, what is we got the beat if we don't have the actual beat? Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> well, that's a, good ex- that's a good example. I don't know that that song would have done well without that drum beat.
you know, and it's like even guitar hooks and bass hooks, you know, um, Kathy's bass line, and we got the boom, 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 yeah. you know, all that stuff is, they're memorable parts, they are hooks, all that matters, all that put together is what makes that song, and that goes for any song we do, mm-hmm. it's everybody's input that makes it a go-go song, and makes it the best that it can be from the five of us sitting in a room working on something. And because of that, I believe everything should be split equally. And I would always do that, you know, in any band that, I mean, we do now, but I feel like we had some people that gave us bad advice initially. Mm -hmm. Like we should have had a lawyer that said, you know, guys, you should split things equally because if you don't, it's going to wind up breaking your band up. You were just talking about, you know, kind of your musicianship and what you add and you and Kathy's interplay, which I think is always fantastic. And even, you know, in that 1984 album talk show, I think Head Over Heels instrumentally is like, even though you all as a band were not getting along the best, not really communicating, like you're so in tune with each other. And even like Kathy's bass line and your drum break, like it's everybody's so locked in. Like Charlotte has a chance to go ham on the piano, which she doesn't get to do very often. Everybody kind of gets in their zone. And so I thought that was so interesting that that song, you know, finally when everybody's starting to get really into their instrument and really hooked in, um, it's sort of at that ending of the first era of the Go-Go's. And that always, you know, obviously I'm sure you guys still play it today. And I read that Belinda sometimes plays it at her shows, but... Alex, the thing is, is when we're together working on music, the bullshit is gone. There's nothing clouding the room. It's just us playing our music. There's nothing better. Nothing better. You know what I mean? That's what we do oh, best. Yeah. So yeah, man, when we get together and we're working on a song, we're gonna give the best that we can. And like, yeah, even like in that breakdown and head over heels, bump, ba-da-da, bump, bump, right? Charlotte is really a good piano player, you know? Yeah. Um, So, you know, everybody gets to, everybody gets to shine in different songs and all. And thank God we have each other that that allows this to happen. So right before the 1984 talk show tour, you have to get open heart surgery because you have a hole in your heart the size of a golf ball. Um, (laughs) Just, you know, casual. You're 27 years old, which I can't even imagine what that feels like. And you talk about, you know, how, how scary it was and how the band kind of comes together and you all go to Palm Springs and like have this beautiful connecting moment. And that was one of my favorite moments of the book. And to see like the photos of you guys being goofy and like fake serious. Um, and so I guess my question there is like, you know, how did it feel to recount, to look at those photos again and to sort of relive that part in your life, you know, which was very scary. You know what, putting this book together I was almost in tears half the time because I, it was such, 
it made me laugh so hard and made me feel <laughs> such have such a warm feeling for everyone because in the scope of things there were 99% of our time was wonderful together there was a couple little bumps in the road you know but the majority of it was pretty damn good and <laughs> i just i when i think of the band i just get smile and get happy and going through all those photos and especially that trip to um palm springs the gift the girls were giving me and got all of course we got all loaded with drugs and took yeah, drugs but they only this. let you take certain drugs that would be yeah. compat- simpatico with your condition, which I thought exactly. was very thoughtful. No, no <laughs> Coke, no blow for Gina. Yep. <laughs> Just valium and mushrooms and drinking. You know, <laughs> times sure have changed. Times really have changed, you know? The 80s were fucking nuts and wonderful and great at the same time as they were insane. Hall of Fame is such an interesting ceremony to watch and I imagine to be a part of, obviously, but I'm really happy that you guys got in. I voted. I was like, I don't normally uh, do this, but I was sweet. like, gotta, gotta like do my votes, gotta, gotta get it going. And, and you guys are in great company. I mean, you've got a great know, induction right? class. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tina Turner, Carol King, like Foo Todd Fighters. Rundgren. Yeah. Foo Fighters. Like you really have like a whole crew that is really, you know, is that taped? That evening in late October, it's, is that when you're yeah, doing the... Yeah, it's, it, they tape it on the 30th that night. HBO mm-hmm. tapes it. They that have a deal with yep. HBO. And then it comes out in December, I believe. Yeah. I'm excited to watch. Like, I think that as far as, do you guys know who, I know typically they have other artists do, you know, kind of tributes and sing, you know, other artists songs. Have you guys planned any of that stuff? I know, I'm so interested. I can't wait to find out how this is all going to work out because I have no darn idea, you know? I have oh, no that's idea. good. So it's kind of like a fun surprise. That's cool. I hope so. It's a. I hope yeah. it's a fun surprise, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not you fucking mortified. <laughs> You're like, hey, everyone, just be right. Just act right. Let's all, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> It was a pleasure talking with you, Alex. I love you. You take care of yourself, okay? Thank you. You too. That's it for this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. If you've got thoughts on this episode, start a conversation in our Facebook group or leave a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. If you'd like to listen to more Go-Go's and who doesn't, check out our interview with bassist Kathy Valentine, episode 777, on our website. To support the show, join our Patreon community, or buy some merch on soundopinions.org. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our intern, Mary Bernthal. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.